Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, we are talking to Damon Pistelka. He is the co-founder of Exit Your Way. Now, this is an episode, entrepreneurs, that you're really going to want to take some notes on because we're going to talk about how to exit out of your business and actually make that money that you were hoping to when you were going to think about selling your business at some point, right? So the exit strategy, how do you achieve those goals? But before we get into that, we're going to talk a lot about what it is that Damon has been doing and his entrepreneurial journey as well. So welcome to the show, Damon. Thanks for having me, Lance. I, I'm just so excited about this episode because there are so many businesses out there that I think are, you know, ready to sell and they're trying to figure out the owners are trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to extract the value that we think we have within this business? And I emphasize think because I know that there's oftentimes a disconnect between what the seller thinks the business is worth and what the buyer thinks it is worth. And I know that you also help businesses figure that out and actually get the business set up for success so that it can be sold for those valuations that the sellers are hoping that they're going to get. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. That's it, you know, honestly, that is the number one reason why businesses don't get sold is the, the buyers and sellers can't agree on a price or terms. Um, yeah. You can Google it. Just look it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's oftentimes that disconnect there. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's some things that I think, you know, are pretty, well, not necessarily easy, but predictable. You have a system that in place, mm -hmm. you know, the questions asked, the things that need to be in place for those buyers to really go, yeah, this is something that I can get behind in terms of evaluation. But before we jump into that, based off of your entrepreneurial journey and you dealing with all of these entrepreneurs, all these business owners, both on the buying side and the selling side, what do you think three critical pieces of information or advice would be for businesses, entrepreneurs to know based off of your entrepreneurial experiences? Well, if I'm do you mean as just in business in general, growing their business and, and what they want to do and, and being successful in business? Yeah, I, I think, you know, like as an entrepreneur, we all want to have these successful yeah. businesses. We want to want to grow success, right? So we have something that is built up an asset there that we can sell at some point mm -hmm. in the future. But also at the same time, we want to avoid all these mistakes that we yeah. often <laughs> come up yeah. against. And so I'm curious if, if there's three things that you would suggest based off of your experience, as well as, you know, like the conversations you have with entrepreneurs where you like, okay, these mm -hmm. are three things that you should know or you should avoid or whatever. Yep. Yep. You don't want to be the best at what you're doing, first of all. If you're the best, you know, if you, if you have a plumbing company or I have a, a coding company or if I'm a doctor in a, in a, in a healthcare clinic, you don't want to be the best at what you do. You don't, because that means that the, the intrinsic value. So say a lawyer in a law firm say, I'm the, I'm the, the lawyer that founded that law firm. I'm, I win every case I'm in for whatever reason. Right. Okay. If I go to sell that law firm, it's not worth very much if my brain leaves. Right. So you want to duplicate the success of your business with others in your business, really to the systems, the people, the, the things you do. So really you need to make sure that the value of the business is not locked up inside of you. That's the okay. first one. 
I, I got you. Yeah, when you first said it, I was thinking that like you as being the business, uh, you shouldn't be the best at what you do. But you're talking about the individual you as the entrepreneur, because yes. it's going to be really damn hard to duplicate yeah. you then within that business if you are yeah. in some sort of, yeah, savant. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it can be a great business, right? Because you can be the wonderful tax tax accountant or lawyer or doctor. You can have a wonderful career like that. And I don't, I don't discourage anyone from doing that if that's what you love and that's your passion but but you got to think when you get to the end that's not a business you're probably going to be able to sell it's just a different strategy to generate your your exit your exit could be that i'm going to slow it shut my business down when it's time that's perfectly fine because because yeah. a lot of times people talk about exit and this is People think it's funny when I talk about it because we sell businesses, right? But I tell people all the time, sometimes the best exit for you is to run it until you're tired of running it and have it all planned out to what you're going to do to sell it or not sell it, but to close it down. I mean, wind it up. yeah, you're going to wind it up because listen, if you're not going to be able to sell it, why go through the process going, well, maybe I could sell it. And I'm going to tell you, if you think maybe it's, it's not going to happen. And because yeah. it's already, you've only got about a 25% chance of success of selling a business anyway, if you haven't done the work to prepare it. And that's a thing. So, um, you know, just, just make sure, you know, three things is so the second one would be, is, you know, have a good idea of what you really want in the long term. you mm. know, put that together. Um, in the long term, in terms of like the valuation of it or the lifestyle, just, like what are you just talking? Just what's the legacy you want to leave? How you mm -hmm. want to exit your business, and then make sure that that's actually a reality that you're going to be able to do. Because, man, if you started years ahead and and really prepared for whatever exit you want it to be, um, you know, because it's it's an exit. If I if I'm deciding to to wind down my business, it's an exit. If I decide that hey, I want to I want to work until I pass out at my desk and they haul me away, man, it's it's good too. Selling, <laughs> succeeding, kind of for sure. yeah, it is. But some people honestly <laughs> love what they do so much they're going to do it until they can't do it anymore. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. If you plan and prepare ahead of time, selling, succeeding, whatever you want to do, it's good. But know it ahead of time because then you have a chance to really plan and execute and leave the legacy you want. Yeah. If you wait Smart until the plan. end, you're, you're stuck with no options. Basically, if you wait until the, you know, I, if, if you and I were talking now and you said, Hey, I want to sell this year, I'm going to say, you're not going to be able to do it. You might be able to do it because we're in March, you know, but it's not <laughs> probably going to happen. Yeah. It's going to take and longer. Then, than that. Yeah. yeah. It's going to take longer than that. And then if you just said, well, I want to sell it for more money. Well, you're, you're kind of hosed. It's not going to happen. So yeah. plan ahead and, and know what you're going to do. And, okay. you know, if I look back and, and what I see that affects business owners the most in what we do, develop a sound growth sales plan, whatever you want to call it. You keep the business growing. Uh, and it's even more important when you're getting ready to sell a business because the buyer looks at it much differently. And if you've got good, consistent growth, you are going to be able to attract a much better buyer to your business. And even if you're going to give it to you, succeed it to your kids, right? They're going to want to see a vibrant, they're going to be part of a vibrant business. And if so many times we see business owners that have been in them a long time and they're sitting there, they're running their business and everything's fine. They're real aggressive when we're young and we're trying to get things going. And pretty soon the kids are out of school, college is paid for. Now we got grandkids and 
oh, we've got everything, you know, everything's paid for and it's pretty easy to run along it, just flatline them and, and pull the money out of them every year and work the way you're going to work. And, you know, a buyer looks at that as like, you're, you're one or two steps away from going out of business mm-hmm. because they don't, you know, they're coming in with a much different viewpoint and, yeah. and it's super hard, super hard well, but growth. And, to, and expand upon what you're saying there, even if you're going to hand that down to the, to the children, right? Like they're going to, you're going to want some sort of equity out of it. And so they're going to probably have to go to debt financing or something to do that. A bank is also going to look at that too in the same, same light, right? Like if it's a growing business. Oh, yes. They're yes. going to be much more interested in providing that that uh, debt financing than if it's one that is relatively stagnant. Oh yes, it's it's a huge it's it's huge in in if you're going to do that and in, in succession too. And that's you bring up a great point because in in a lot of successions, people talk about just giving their business away to their children or something like that. But then even if you're not doing that, are you prepared in a succession to have? my as the founder my salary is still coming out of that business is that what you're expecting and then your your kids are going to pull a owner kind of compensation out of it you know this is where growth really comes into play in in whether you're selling or succeeding or uh, a business because it's so important that next generation comes in or a new buyer comes in they're all going to be paying debt like you said and and it's yeah. it's something you really have to debt debt in terms of i've taken a loan out like you said or debt in terms of uh, additional cash flow because somebody else is coming into the business and pulling a heftier salary. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to get into a bunch of that here right next, because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what it is that exit your way, your business. What is it that you guys do? And, and mm-hmm. uh, we've already hinted you're helping businesses buy and sell, I guess, uh, on, on both sides of it. Can you expand upon that a little bit more as to really the services that you guys are providing? Yeah, we we focus. Uh, we have consulting, and then we do business brokerage. So, um, our consulting is is based around growing and and preparing businesses for sale. That's what we do. So, we have a lot of clients that come to us and say, "Listen, we know we want to exit our business, but we don't know that we're ready or the right size yet." And we go, well, okay, cool. You've identified it early. And and usually we hope people give us a few years at least to do it. Uh, yeah. And then we say, well, what does that mean to you? And this is the one step that owners often forget to take. And it's not us that helps them do this, but go to a good financial planner that can sit down and say, Lance, let's take a look at your lifestyle. Let's take a look at your lifestyle for what's next. What do you want to be doing? Let's take a look mm-hmm. at your portfolio, what you've got in it now. Then let's figure out how much money that that portfolio is going to need to have in it or your investments are going to need to generate for you for your what's next. Because then we get to the important thing. How much money do I need for my business to fill out my portfolio and, and make that what's next possible? Yep. That step, it, that single step, is what hangs up most business sales. Because if you don't do that and you're sitting there at the end of the day and you're getting ready to sign the dotted line and sell your business and it's $5 million or $10 million and you're going, I don't know if that's going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Not enough for make me feel good, but enough for me to really do what I want to do next, right? And yep. when you know that, 
that is the best feeling because then you can go into these things and you can say, listen, as long as we sell for 5 million plus, I'm good. And, and you're not so hung up on a made up number in your head because you could have read a, a, a Wall Street Journal article where a public company sold for this much. Well, public companies are valued way higher. Your, your, your value expectations might not because really at the end of the day, then you're, you're not so concerned about a number as, as much as I just get above this and I'm good. And, and my finances are going to be good in doing that because we, we see so many times people go one day, they'll say, okay, 10 million sounds good. Well, the business is growing well and their business is not worth 10 million anymore. We've shot by that. So we're worth 12, 15. Well, 15's good now. 15's good now. And well, then it's 20. And it's like, well, if they won't pay 20, I'm not going to sell it anymore. Right. And, and what we really have to come back to is that 20 is a gift if you're there. 10 is where you needed to be. Take it as the gift it is. Because if you turn that down at that point, you could be saying that you're putting yourself into another few years of holding back and being, you know, because of an economic, just say, God forbid you were doing this before COVID. You were sitting here at the beginning of 2021 and you're like, oh man, everything's gone, but they gave me 20 and that's not enough. And something happened and it just decimated your business. What would yeah. that do? Yeah. So, Yeah. The, yeah. So knowing, knowing that what you need for the next, I like, yeah, that. knowing what you need for the next and, and from your business specifically, right? Because yeah. you've got other investments and stuff, but your business and, and doing that. So that's, that's key in what we do, but our, our consulting is all based around that. I mean, we, we do operational consulting to execute the changes you need to get there. So it, it's, we'll, we'll bring in salespeople. We'll bring in, operational people, whatever we need to do to get their business going and get their team working together to do what they need to do uh, to prepare for that exit and get to that value they need to. And then when they're at the right point, then we start marketing their business for sale and, and we'll sell. Yeah. And I think this is the key part, right? That you guys deliver versus some of the merger and acquisition uh, people mm -hmm. that I know is that consulting aspect of it, where you really sit down with them and work on the operational side of the business so that they can achieve the goals that they want. And this is, this is the problem is I think that if the, they've done the right first step, which is sit down with that financial planner and really figure out what it is that they need for the next chapter of their life, they get that number or if they just have in their head some sort of number, whatever, they have a number though. Um, that doesn't mean that that's actually an achievable number. And I think that the breakdown often occurs is between what the they are thinking that their business is worth and mm -hmm. they have an idea as to, you know, they're basing it off of something. Um, mm -hmm. But that's a very different thing than what the buyers are using to evaluate that business. And so could you tell me a little bit about that difference, that place where uh, the buyers are looking at it in a very different way than what a seller oftentimes looks at their business? Yeah, yeah. So the buyer's perspective, as we like to call it, um, where your business is at today, it does set a baseline price. So if you're, if you make a million dollars in profit, then in your industry, there's a multiple of that based on other transactions, based on return on investment. There's all kinds of ways you can measure it and do it. Um, but it's math, right? It's math. It's not what, how hard I work to get there. It's not really 
anything other than that. It's math and then what the buyer believes your business is really worth that they can go above and beyond or or where they're adjusting that based on the risk profile of that business. Yeah. Um, but in the large part, the buyers are looking at a business much differently than the sellers because the seller has been in that business for a long time usually. So I'm in my business 10 years and every year my business is growing a little bit. I'm investing more in my business. I'm getting to know customers better. I'm getting, you know, suppliers. We're in the market. We, you know, we're, we're just getting better, a little bit better every year. So over 20 years in a business or even a decade in a business, you are building up that investment, the risk with, you know, I might be doing more business with one customer or one supplier or even with with employees. And I've got one employee that's really, man, they are the, the, the hub of what we do. Um, and these risks with you as the seller are building over time, but the buyer looks at that much differently because they're looking at it as I'm going to buy this business today and I'm going to plop down, you know, millions of dollars for it today. I'm not building that little, you know, that value up over time. Like a lot of founders have from sometimes virtually nothing all the yep. way into millions. They're saying, I'm plopping millions down today. And I think one of the, so their risk profile is completely different. You know, you got one customer that's over 50% of your business or even over 25% of your business. That buyer is going to go, well, what happens if that one customer goes away? And you yeah. as a seller goes, well, I've been doing business with them for 20 years. They're not going, not going anywhere. And that buyer is going to say, yeah, but I haven't. Mm -hmm. I don't even know them. Yeah. And, and those kind of things. And that, that's really the risk difference. They're plopping down millions of dollars. So the more you can de-risk the business by, you know, wide range of customers, more recurring kind of revenues, uh, longer term agreements with, with people, diversified supplier base, uh, just all these things to help you make it easier for somebody to put themselves into the position where they feel comfortable putting the millions of dollars down. And and then work in the next whatever years to to make the return on that money. Yeah, well, so that's on the risk side in terms of the client, uh, you know, profile that they have within the risk, which you hinted on uh, when when we were first started talking there about the, you know, don't being the don't be the best, you know, in your business. You, mm -hmm. you, you as an individual can be. You have to have the systems and everything, and so that's a huge risk there in terms of. When the mm -hmm. buyer is looking at buying that business and they know that you're going to be exiting out of that business, what happens with the relationships? What happens to the rest of the team? What happens to the uh, institutional knowledge that is in your head when you exit the building, right? And so I imagine you must work a lot with business oh, owners yeah. on how to set things up so they're not the ones that are really the key cog in that will of that business anymore, which usually when we're building our businesses, we are the key cog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is, that is a key point of this, you know? And so we work a lot with people that understand things like EOS, entrepreneurial operating system or profit first, or, you know, you can even look at uh, value builder, John Warlow built a value builder mm -hmm. program that helps owners, you know, with their, there's different things about the hub and spoke of, of the business to increase the business value. You have to, it, it, it is so critical for your team and your processes to be standalone from you as the owner, if you're going to sell it, if you're just too integral in it or, or the, 
you know, the team, it's all tribal knowledge and people, you know, are just doing what they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be because they know what they're supposed to be doing, you know, compared to if you walk in and say, yeah, this is, this is how we do this. And here's their procedures. And these are, you know, here's our org chart. There's roles and responsibility for people. And this is how we measure our people. And we've got KPIs for our overall business. We've got KPIs for these operating units. That's really what we try to get businesses to that point as simple as possible because it is a huge value increase when they go to sell a business because it does demystify the whole thing. Yeah. 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 And one of the things that uh, I've, I've read as well, when people are trying to figure out the valuation of their businesses is that a lot of times they, they hear these multiples, right? Multiples mm -hmm. on EBITDA or, or some other measurement, but EBITDA being a real popular one. And it's like, okay, well, in your industry, it's a four times multiple typically is what you get. And so then they come into it with that expectation, but they don't realize the things that get added or subtracted from that based mm -hmm. off of, you know, the operations of the business. And one of the examples that I think a lot of business owners don't really realize is that if you're underpaying yourself, which oftentimes is the case, right? Because, you know, cash flow reasons or whatever, you feel mm -hmm. like, well, you know what? I only need this amount. I, I'm okay mm -hmm. with it. But if you had to replace yourself, what is the fair market value? If you've been historically undervaluing yourself, you're going to have to add that back in yeah. uh, as a cost into that calculation. So it's going to be a deduction off of that multiple. And that's just one example. I, talk to me a little bit about some of that, because it's not as simple as just looking at a multiple. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you the first, the first, I should say, thing that people should understand about business valuation, the premise. If you ever pay for a business valuation, you ever get one, see one, read one. It is the value between a willing buyer and seller. Mm. Just consider that. You have to have a willing buyer and seller for any valuation to be value, valid. Yep. And that is the biggest challenge in these. And yes, when we look at, there are multiples of EBITDA that are in industry because it, in, and that multiple considers things like capital equipment cost, you know, the types of customers you're dealing with and all these things, it, it all rolls together into that, those multiples. And the multiples vary widely within an industry because I could be, I could be a plumbing and they vary with size. So I could be a plumbing company. That's a $3 million a year plumbing company and just say my multiple. And I don't even know if this is even close, but three X on my, my EBITDA. Okay. Well, if that same plumbing company down the street from them is a $15 million a year plumbing company, they're probably going to be five or six X just because they're bigger. Mm -hmm. Cause there's less risk of that thing going out of business than there is on the $3 million business. And, and to get to $15 million, you probably have better systems and, or, or more advanced systems. You probably have salespeople in the field and different things that would, would separate that. So there's all kinds of variables in this. And so if you, if you and you and I were in business and we had those plumbing companies, you could sell yours for a lot more money per dollar of profit than I could. And there's a myriad of reasons. It could come down to your customer base. I mean, all these things play into that. And so, yes, we all hear these multiples, but at the end of the day, you really need to know the value of your business based on your situation. And then again, that's only going to be valid with a willing buyer and seller. Yeah. 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 Isn't that the truth, right? I mean, you have to have a dance partner, partner otherwise there's no dancing going on, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
So, so what would be, uh, you know, if you had to distill it down into, you know, some top mistakes uh, that business owners make when they're trying to set up their business for, for selling or when they're thinking about selling, I guess, uh, maybe that is one of the mistakes is that they don't set it up, but what would be some of the top mistakes that they, they, you commonly see there? Not really looking at that risk is the first thing. Okay. I mean, even, even if, even if you've got a supplier that you've been buying things from forever and you haven't really looked if there's a second supplier, but that's critical to your business, right? And, and you don't have a second supplier that could be a big enough hassle that nobody's going to want to buy your business uh, if you're in a specialized industry, um, but not really understand your risk from the buyer's perspective. That's a huge okay. thing across the board. Yeah. Put yourself in their shoes, right? Uh, yeah. Putting yourself in their shoes. Yeah. And, and uh, like I said before, you, you, if you haven't done everything to say, yes, I would put that, pay that millions of dollars, turn the clock back, pay the millions of dollars, throw away all the assets that I've got other than that. And I would live off of that and move forward. Then you're probably got yourself about right. But that's, that's one of the things to do. Um, the, that buyer risk, let's see what else. Yeah. And then it's just get, get realistic with your value expectations mm. because you aren't going to get twice market value for your business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to go with that blue sky is worth zero. Mm. You know, yes, I could go out and I could sell to, you know, globally right now, but have I done it? Have I proven that it's even, first of all, have I proven that it's even viable and, and, and have I done it? Well, if I've done it and I've, I'm proven that it's viable and we're moving down the road, that's much different. But if yeah. I'm sitting here saying, oh, you can do this and that and that, hold yourself back because that's worth zero. Yeah. And, and yeah. you have to have realized um, opportunity if you want to get paid for it. And the the last thing is, is the last thing I, mistake I think people make is just because you know how your business has performed over time doesn't mean it's not worth putting KPIs in place and documenting that and, and having the history of being able to set goals and execute and attain those goals. Yep. I say that because in times when we've sold businesses where they've done a really good job of that, when you can go back a year or two years even and say, listen, at the beginning, two years ago, we said we were going to be 5 million and we got there. Last year, we said we were going to be 8 million and we got there and you can see how we did along the way. That's very powerful when you're sitting there saying we're going to be 10 million this year and we're talking about that in March, right? If you don't have that ahead of time, it's like it didn't happen like that. So documenting that is is really big because it gives that buyer faith. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, so the documentation of it, the setting, the KPIs, the tracking, everything, having the systems in place, being able to remove yourself from the business itself and the business still be able to mm -hmm. survive, but not even su survive, like thrive. Thrive. Uh, yeah. Those are going to be things that are going to really entice that buyer to pay a premium yes. because these are de-risking, as you say, the, the purchase on this particular business yep. and then you know not having all your eggs in one basket in terms of yeah. of, of having a diversified client base uh doing that all right and then having all the 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 uh the the pr 
not processes, but and not redundancies, but basically the um, the safety net of planning around like if if something were to go wrong. So like we saw so much of this on the supply management. Uh, any company that was really tied into supply management, you know, those companies that did not have good plans there to to sort through. I mean, nobody could predict a pandemic, mm -hmm. but but disruptions in supply chain management. Those without those plans, man, did they suffer. Those mm -hmm. who had put in the time and effort to plan that out a bit in advance um, and de-risk that potential future risk, yeah, uh, they were they did okay. Yeah, that having those things in place is huge. And then, and then I can't under underemphasize growth. I mean, if you've yeah, got forty, fifty percent right. growth growth covers a lot of problems. You know, we it could does. screw up here and there, but if I got 50% growth and I lose a customer, it's not, it might not be that big a deal. If I got 5% growth and I lose a customer, that's a huge yeah. deal. No, I, I, and I, I'm really happy that you reemphasize that because that was something that I actually had a conversation with, uh, with one, with my director of sales, uh, a couple of months ago, I think it was, uh, as we're turning into the new year, I guess it would have been. Yeah. And, uh, and that's exactly what I said to him is I said, you know, growth hides a lot of mistakes. And so, uh, just keep pushing on the sales, right? Because, because mm -hmm. as we're growing, um, like you said, if there's turnover, uh, or lack of efficiency, it hides a lot of different things. And then if you can be still working on those efficiencies and fixing those things uh, while you're doing that, well, then the outcomes at the end of the day are just exponentially better. Yeah. Yes. You, yeah. you mentioned a, um, Profit First, which is uh, uh, Mike Michalowicz's book, which mm -hmm. is, you know, I'm just a huge fan of Mike Michalowicz. And, and then you're also talking a lot about systems. And, and so he has that other book, uh, uh, Clock, Clockwork or Clockwork or something like mm -hmm. that, I think it's called, uh, which talks about trying to figure out all those processes. Is there any other other uh, books or, or references that you would recommend our audience? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, out? I use, I, I'm going to lean back here and grab the one that we keep kind of as a desktop reference is Traction by Gino Wickman. I mean, you look at yep. uh, the couple books that he's put out on this, they, they lay it out simply too. And I think it's really, uh, you're going to find different systems. There's three or four, like I said, that you can find that are good, but you're going to find one that sits with you better or fits your business better. And the fact that you have a system, you probably gone by 75% of the other businesses around. Yeah. And when you implement it and it actually is working for you, you're, you've made light years progress. Yeah. And I think this is worth emphasizing. And so listen up everybody, because it, this is really important. This is one of the observations I made. So previous to, to Ample Media, I had a, a strategic consultancy. And one of the things that I was noticing is that when I was going in working with businesses and helping them with their strategy and, and building out, you know, their five-year plans and, and uh, one-year operating plans and whatnot, I was, I, I was shocked at how successful some businesses were in spite of all of the the lack of systems or or just chaos that seemed to exist within their uh, their their businesses, it was just remarkable. And mm -hmm. so that you know gives on other entrepreneurs, I think, a, a tremendous amount of potential confidence that hey, you know what, uh, anybody can kind of do this. But from the outside looking in on some of those companies, you think like, oh man, like they have everything together. But when you get inside some companies, it's just like, oh my goodness, like this is incredible. And 
I think that the majority of our businesses, uh, of those who are listening today, can probably sit there and, and draw up a list that is probably as long as their arm of things that they could be improving within their business. And yet they're still successful. Yes. And so if we focus on and really identify the areas that we can uh, make those incremental improvements over time, that's going to make a huge difference in terms of the value of your company, but also that potential growth that is going to mask a lot of those hidden problems. Mm -hmm. and, and as we do, we just are focusing in on that buyer's perspective and really trying to trim those things you're working on into the, the things that make a difference in the buyer's mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a true pleasure, Damon. I just really appreciate you taking the time today to share some of your wisdom and, and experience on this topic. I know that our audience are going to be really, really happy to have listened to this episode. If uh, they wanted to reach out, connect with you, ask you more questions or anything, what's the best way to connect um, into your life there, Damon? Well, they can look me up on LinkedIn. And if they send yep. me a connection request, just make sure you say you saw me on the show here or, or, a note with it, or you can go to our website. It's exityourway.com. And there's places you can book a time to talk to me right there. Excellent. Love the name of the business, by the way. I think that that is just absolutely perfect because that's exactly what it is that you're trying to help them achieve. And so the promise of what you deliver is right in the name of the business, which is just from a marketer's perspective, that's a dream. <laughs> that's, well, that's thank great. you. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Really appreciate it. And for those of you who were, you know, just excited to listen to this episode, and you want to check out some of our archives, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. And of course, if you search for Amplify Your Business in your favorite podcasting platform, you're going to be able to find us there as well. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. And thank you once again, David. I really appreciate it.